On this Labor Day, we have the privilege of reflecting on one of the most basic dimensions of our humanity given by God in creation itself. I will therefore lay out some of the human, social, and spiritual dimensions of work. We notice from the first reading that work was not part of the curse, but gifted to man before the fall. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden are commanded by God to subdue the earth and have dominion over it, and in chapter 2, verse 15, to till and keep the garden. Work, therefore, has an intrinsic worth and goodness endowed with divine dignity. We, being created in God's image and likeness, share in God's ongoing providence of maintaining the world in existence and bringing it to greater perfection, giving order to our world just as God brought order out of chaos. A good scripture passage to help our reflection on God's continuing creation and loving providence is Psalm 104. Second, although work is a gift and blessing, we were not created for work, but work for us. Therefore, as the first reading indicates, God models an essential aspect of our dignity, that is, he rested on the seventh day. This is also an essential gift whereby we have the time, as the Catechism states in paragraph 2184, to develop our familial, cultural, social, and religious lives. But it means trusting in God's plan, that we are not the sole arbiters providing for creation as if all life depends on our feverish efforts. As Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 17, My Father is working still, and I am working. Nor is work a vehicle for building up wealth and power such that it dominates all our energies. Rather, as Christians, we are called to take the time to remember the poor, the sick, the downtrodden, using our particular charisms in performing the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. We also break from labor so that there is opportunity to worship God and spend time developing our interior life through prayer, meditation, silence, and reflection. One must recall the various episodes throughout history where work was exploited by secular states in an attempt to wrench the faith from God's people. In the book of Exodus, for example, Pharaoh enslaved the Israelites in a continuous work schedule with no time to worship Yahweh so that they would eventually forget their faith traditions and be drawn into the pagan worship and culture of Egypt. As well, in the French and Russian revolutions, the seven-day work week was tampered with so that religious feast days were eliminated. They soon discovered, however, that production fell dramatically when workers were not given a seventh-day rest. Third, although work was gifted to us prior to the fall, the rupture between humanity and the created world caused by the original sin has left its mark. What originally brought joy now languishes in hardship as the ground is cursed. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Genesis chapter 3 verse 17. St. Paul comments in Romans chapter 8, All creation subject to futility groans with labor pains waiting with eager longing to be set free from its bondage to decay. Yet despite the toil and hardship involved in work, it is still a good, because as St. John Paul II stated in his document on human labor, quote, 
Mankind not only transforms nature, adapting it to its own needs, but he also achieves fulfillment as a human being, and indeed, in a sense, becomes more a human being. End of quote, paragraph 9. In particular, the virtue of industriousness as a moral habit perfects the person together with the other virtues. St. Paul alluded to this by reminding his readers that although, as a minister, he could have relied on the material support of his congregation, he preferred to set the example of the goodness of labor. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We did not eat anyone's bread without pain, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not burden any of you. It was not because we did not have the right, but to give you in our conduct an example to imitate. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, St. Paul adds, Whatever your task, work heartily as serving the Lord and not men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Fourth, the Church teaches that by responsibly enduring the hardship of labor in union with Christ, who endured his passion and crucifixion for our salvation, we can collaborate in God's redemptive work by carrying our cross daily. This truth gives tremendous value to our labor, whether manual or intellectual, especially when work can seem tedious, burdensome, and at times meaningless. The pessimism and despair by King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes' statement, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, chapter 3, verse 18, is transcended by the Christian theology of work. We can offer our work as prayer, a form of worship, honoring God who gave us the gifts of intellect, freedom of will, and our bodies, and extending this even to our being co-redeemers with Christ. Moreover, taking up our cross, work can become a participation even now in the future transformation and renewal of the cosmos, what Revelation chapter 21 verse 1 terms the new heavens and the new earth. The Vatican II document Gaudium et Spes, or Pastoral Constitution on the Church in the Modern World, puts it this way in paragraph 39, quote, Therefore, while we are warned that it profits a man nothing if he gains the whole world and loses himself, the expectation of a new earth must not weaken but rather stimulate our concern for cultivating this one. For here grows the body of a new human family, a body which even now is able to give some kind of foreshadowing of the new age. Earthly progress must be carefully distinguished from the growth of Christ's kingdom. Nevertheless, to the extent that the former can contribute to the better ordering of human society, it is of vital concern to the kingdom of God. End of quote. Fifth, through work we can engage the secular world and in the process contribute to Christianizing the culture. After all, labor is a social activity that brings people from different walks of life together for a common effort that is good for society. By our work ethic, being honest, truthful, and fair in our business dealings and interactions, listening compassionately, encouraging co-workers who are experiencing personal difficulties, treating people with kindness, patience, and courtesy, refusing to engage in gossip that tears down others. In all these ways, we are witnesses to the love of God. As well, 
being willing to open up when asked what we find meaningful, and sharing our story of how God has helped us, being willing to pray for and with co-workers who are in need, helps build social networks, friendships, and hopefully co-workers in the kingdom of God. For each Christian is, without exception, in full-time ministry. Finally, a theology of work recognizes that labor can be exploited to oppress others. Human trafficking of vulnerable persons from developing countries to work in sweatshops, sexual slavery, and domestic services are contrary to the laws of God and must be challenged at all levels of governmental, religious, and social institutions. Today is also a celebration of the achievements of workers' rights and labor standards that recognize the collaboration of employers, employees, and their unions. Also, care of the environment and sustainability of resources must be paramount in our having dominion over and subduing the earth. Creation is not only for us, but for generations to follow. Therefore, responsible stewardship of the earth's water, air, land, and ecosystems are crucial. Let us pray. O God, who through human labor never cease to perfect and govern the vast work of creation, listen to the supplications of your people and grant that all men and women may find work that benefits their dignity, joins them more closely to one another, and enables them to serve their neighbor. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.